This is the Jason Kavnis Experience, hosted by Jason Kavnis. Join Jason as he talks to small business owners and startup founders and other interesting people as we gain great insights about business, people, leadership, HR, and how each guest strives to be great every day. Hello, and welcome to Jason Kavnis Experience. I'm your host, Jason Kavnis. Our guest today is Josh Bieler. Josh, are you ready to be great today? Yes. Josh started his career as an officer in the U.S. Air Force, working in acquisitions, operations, and finance for the U.S. Satellite Launch Program at Air Force Base Command, as well as the Air Force Propulsion Laboratory. At the military service, Josh worked in the telecommunications industry from 2007 to 2016. He started on the finance side before moving into business development operations. Last served as CEO for a company with operations in 19 states and the oversight of products in Italy and Korea. After consulting for several years, Josh started Vector Services and Vector Force Development to provide opportunities to military veterans in the utility and, industry and energy industries. Since Vector's beginning in 2016, Josh has grown the company to national recognition with operations over 25 states and four operating divisions. Josh, thanks for being here today. I really appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for having me. So, Josh, what do you, what do you focus on right now? Uh, so, right now, we, we have four divisions and two different companies. Um, Vector Force Development, uh, Vector Services, um, and now we're in 30 states. Um, I know as of that bio is 25, but we've grown out to, to 30 states, and it's really just trying to maximize the opportunities that, that we have available to, to provide to transitioning veterans. Um, I mean, there's close to 9,000 vets getting out every month, and, and they all need work or they want to do something you know, after they get out of that service. So we're, we're there to provide that. So Josh, I'm going to change the subject real fast. Yeah. Um, can you talk about your, how you, what you do as far as like being a youth basketball coach and soccer coach, like why you got involved with that? How long have you been doing that? Why it's important to you to give back to community like that? Yeah, absolutely. So I have three kids. Um, my son, Caden, 16. Then I have a daughter, Sienna. She's uh, 13 and, and a daughter, Logan, who is uh, going to be 12 here. And, they they all do sports you know and um uh all compete high level i grew up uh playing basketball and, and soccer and ended up playing uh soccer at the u.s air force academy um so that was a big part of my life um and then when i uh when i got out and had kids i i wanted to coach you know is is kind of giving back they they needed some help and uh one of the leagues that my son was in and that's where it started so what ages or grades do you do you coach um i've coached i mean i've coached anywhere from five years old all the way up to college level i know you saw where the world cup's gonna be playing in seattle i think in 2026 yes i'm ready i know you're gonna I'm ready get you. some tickets yeah <laughs> i'm ready to go that's that's gonna be exciting <sighs> yes and how long have you been coaching again uh, I've been coaching off and on for probably 15 years. Um, so here's a question. Is it harder or easier to coach the older the people get? Um, it's probably, uh, it depends. It's, it's, uh, you know, when, when you're young, you're just, you're just managing attention spans when, <laughs> when they get into middle school, 
um, you're kind of managing emotions. And then, you know, as they get older and, and uh, become better and more competitive, it's it's more or less managing ego. So it's, it's a little bit different. And, you know, there's difficulties and, and similarities all throughout. You ever think, think about maybe in the past, not now, of course, but maybe in the past, like, like doing coaching full time? Uh, no, it's really been just kind of volunteer giving back. Um, I mean, there's there's always opportunities. I know I know the different programs that we work with are, always need volunteers. So I, you know, I'm interested in continuing to do that for sure. And I know you're big on servitude. Can you talk about your your concept of servitude? Why it's important to you? Yeah, I mean, the reason why Vector started was you know my idea of giving back. Right. So I I was in the military, um, worked in the Air Force, and. And, you know, a big there you have you, you go through this, these hard times, you go through these tough um, situations with, you know, your, your brothers and sisters in the military. And, you know, you see different things, you see um, different sufferings throughout the world. You, you see all those types of things. And, you know, people give they're serving as a military member you're serving our country right so you're you're providing this service and then you know a big part of vector is hey these guys these these men and women serve you know while they're in the military and then when they get out how are we serving them when they come back into to society into the civilian workforce how are we helping them and so you know, a big part of why we start, I started this was to really give back, you know, give back to those people that, that did help, you know, and, and provide us with those, these freedoms that we do have. And, and they're out there giving their lives and giving their service to us. So why, why shouldn't we give, uh, you know, our service back to them? And it, and it starts with that. And, you know, a big part of our core, core values is service, you know, and, and uh, I mean, our motto is rooted in service, driven by discipline. And so service really is a part of our culture and what we live by um and that that goes out into all the different uh um programs that we're a part of outside of vector um veteran programs working with our community uh you know our social responsibility to the to the communities that we're a part of you know that's a big part of of who we are and what our culture is Josh, have you always been like this like you remember being like this at an early age is something your parents instilled in you or just something you like grew up and like decided like hey this is the type of person i want to be well i i was a firstborn um so i don't know if you know i i don't know if that goes into it a little bit but i remember you know my parents wanting to you know make my parents proud wanting to help out wanting to kind of help my brother and sister i, I had a younger sister younger brother um so maybe it stemmed out of that i mean you know i everybody grows up and and goes through good times, bad times, you know, lessons learned. I, I mean, I, I know I was probably um, selfish throughout parts of my life, but, uh, you know, I, I've always been um, a person that likes to see other people doing well and, and, and happy and, and feeling good about themselves. So I, I think that's a big part of it. Can you tell us about you know, why you decided to you know, apply to the U.S. Air Force Academy, the, you know, the process behind that decision? Yeah, so... Um, so I, like I said, I grew up playing soccer, so I, I, I really wanted to, you know, continue that career in, in competitive soccer. And so, and, you know, I was re recruited by different colleges and the, the Air Force Academy was one of them. They're, they're a D1 program and um, they're pretty competitive, uh, you know, when I was in high school and, 
and looking at different opportunities and and uh i knew i wanted to get away from where my family was just to and were you here in washington at that time i was in washington at the time i grew up in southern california and then my sophomore year we moved up to seattle my dad got a different job um so we moved up here and and i was playing playing up here so you know, I, I I had opportunities at like University of Washington, SPU, those types of places. Um, but I, re- I wanted to give out, and my grandpa was in the Korean War, and I was very close with him. And he passed away when I was 16. So I remember always wanting to, you know, make him proud in his eyes. And and I know he was he was big on the military and stuff like that. And so I thought it was a, a good opportunity. You know, I, I was I was proud of getting accepted and. And I didn't go in like a lot of people being wanting to be a pilot. Um, you know, that that could have been an option, but it wasn't something I was just grew up, you know, wanting to be a pilot. Um, so I got there and, and really grew into, you know, just the camaraderie that, that you learn, the, the, the discipline. I really fell into that part of it and uh, really latched on to learning about leadership and, and how that worked. and. And so it wasn't, uh, you know, you hear the cliche stories of, yeah, you know, my, my grandpa and, and my father and my great-grandfather were all in the military and I was following their footsteps. That wasn't necessarily the case. My grandpa or my father and mother, they weren't in the military or anything like that. But my grandpa was drafted in Korean War and I knew I wanted to impress him in his eyes a little bit. And how many years did you end up doing it in the Air Force? So... Um, I did six years active. And you're still actually in, right? The reserve, I'm still right? in the reserves, yeah. I did six years active. I got out in 07 um, and then came back in the reserves in 2012. I guess you go, you go to JBLM for that? Or? Yeah, yeah. And what, what position did you play in soccer? Uh, I was a midfield forward. So I played center mid sometimes, outside mid, sometimes forward. Yeah, I know one thing like soccer, like it's not really a popular state like it should be, but like, it's growing though. It's, it's growing. growing. You got those games. You got a Sounders game. They're packed. Yeah, it's, it's a blast. I, I know. A lot of people say, "Oh, soccer's boring," but soccer is like only spot I know where there's activity going all the time. Yeah, right? Yeah. There's like there's no breaks. You You're know, there's all the time. There's something going all the time. time. So it's, yeah. you know, it's actually a lot of fun to go go watch it. Yeah, in person. they're a blast. Yeah, no timeouts. You know, so. And I'm it's, getting, it's always and you got to be in a little bit of shape too. Yeah, I'm, not, right. I'm not sure the goal of your course. That's right. That's right. Even that man, you got you got to be in shape. You got to be, you know, flexible and be able to play. So. On soccer, like it's like the U.S. women's team is always kicking butt, you know, you know, dominating, you know, always top the top. The U.S. men's team, not so much, right? Why, why do you think that is from your point of view? It's like, I mean, the talent has to be there, right, for both sides. I just, I don't understand that. The talent's there, and I, I'm not sure. You know, I think, um, you know, I, I mean, I, I believe, you know, they're at the top. You know, how how we run the programs and how it goes, how we train from youth going up and really kind of given i mean we have the population right and we know there's great players out there but do they have the opportunities you know yeah from, i mean there's all these used soccer leagues you know like five six eight nine years old but then they're kids, expensive too, yeah you know are, so yeah. like can can you know people that have the talent afford it you know yeah. and so yeah i think there's opportunities i don't i don't know too much um specifics why but i i think there's you know opportunities to 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 give you know, people that might not have the means, um, ample room to play. Yes. So let's talk about this. I thought this was very interesting. So I, I, I don't, I can't remember where I found this. Maybe a Google search on LinkedIn or somewhere. 
But you were part of a program that launched the first nine rockets of their Air Force Expendable Launch Vehicle Program. Yeah. I mean, that sounds like a pretty big deal. Yeah, it was. Um, we, so I was working, it's called the EELV program. Um, and it's now the United Launch Alliance. So the way I explain it now is SpaceX. So everybody knows what SpaceX is. Everybody knows what Elon Musk um, does. And they, they launch satellites into space. So um, I worked on, you know, there used to be the Delta program, the Atlas program with Lockheed and Boeing diff- made different rockets. And and they, the EELV program was an expendable launch vehicle. Um, and it was a competing launch every time. So Boeing and Lockheed both competed for every launch with their rockets. Um, and they both had three size rockets to launch different satellite payloads. Um, and so out of that program, I joined in 2001. So I was a part of our first, the first nine launches that happened in that program. So it was, it was pretty, pretty impressive, pretty exciting. Um, I think we launched uh, some GPS, some uh, satellites, um, GPS satellites, some cyber satellites, weather satellites, those types of things. So it's exciting. Is that program still going on? It's still going on. Yeah. So now it's called the United Launch Alliance. Okay. Um, and, and, and they're doing that now. Um, what's something about the Air Force, like the normal America might not know, right? Like something like, no, cause Air Force, you know, I was Army Air Force, like no high tech, you know, no, you know, kind of, you know, sit in your chair, you know, take vacations, you know, but then like high tech, you want the air support, you know, you know, smarter, you know, smarter than most people, you know, what's something. About right. Air Force well, I, yeah, them? there's, there's a few things. Um, one is, you know, and, and another big part of like why we started vectors is I had some members that, that passed away in service. Right. And is, you know, that, that affected me a lot. And, uh, you know, one of those guys was Derek Argel, who was one of my roommates while I was at the Academy. And he was one of the toughest guys you've ever met you know the, the the biggest badass guys you've you've seen and he was a special operation so a lot of people don't understand like the air force has people to go with delta force to go with the navy seals to go with all those types of um high visibility or, or, or people know popular type uh teams and air force has combat controllers to go around with them you know, to call in uh, air support or whatever it may be. And so he went through, uh, you know, the the SEAL type training, he went through like the pipeline, he did all that kind of stuff. So the Air Force does have that. The other thing that people don't know about is, and this is in direct relation to, to what we're doing at Vector, is there's so many different um, skill sets within the Air Force from like people doing accounting or people doing finance to engineering to you know, cyber warfare, which, or software development or, um, all that kind of stuff. And it's not just flying. Right. And then the other thing, it's like, you know, it's pilots, air force pilots. Well, for every flight that goes on, there's 50 people involved to make that flight happen. So it's not just one person flying the plane. It's 50 people that make that happen. And there's, you know, that's a lot of different support, a lot of different things going on. Um, and, you know, the Space Force just happened, but Air Force is still part of that, mm-hmm. right? So there's there's that touch points there, too. So, so you also uh, do some stuff, I think, you like an Air Force liaison for the high school students to help them apply to Air Force. Yeah, so, like that, that. so there's an Air Force liaison officer, which is, um, you know, so 
there's the academies. There's the Air Force Academy. There's there's West Point. There's Annapolis for the Navy. Um, and to get into those, you need you know a senator or congressman's recommendation, and you also have to go through an interview process with uh, an ex Air Force officer, right? And that's that's your liaison. So you help you know kind of mentor high school students that that want to go to the Air Force Academy, want to go to ROTC, want to go that way, and then you'll interview them, um, provide feedback uh, both to them and to the academy on, you know, do you recommend this person uh, to go to the Air Force? So how does it work? Like, do, do you still have to get like a, some kind of letter from like a U.S. Senator or something? Yes, yeah. You still got to get that nomination. So is it from a U.S. Senator or a Congressman? Or a Congressman. Either one? Yeah. Or so, the Vice President or the President. Okay. So those are rare, right? You, yeah. So how does a, this work? Like, you know, like pose you're from like a rich high school, you know, have connections. But then you find like you know it's like an inner city poor poor neighborhood, right? Like how does that work, right? It's not gonna be like kind of tiered unfairly like the so the rich rich school versus the poor school. Um, well, it's by you know every every location kind of has their representation. So um, it's not like you're only g- getting represented in this school. Like everybody kind of has a good opportunity. Um, it's you know it's not necessarily who you know, right? Mm-hmm. Because they want. In the military, you want someone that's the best of the best, regardless. Best of the best, regardless, and that's all around, right? It's like you don't just want a sixteen hundred, or I don't know what the top scores of an SAT it used to be sixteen hundred. <laughs> I, like, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's, a, different, it's a different number yeah, now. Yeah, whatever it is, you don't want that perfect score, straight A student that you know that has no social skills or or doesn't have any athletic ability or anything. You want someone well rounded, right? So we look, you know, that people that you know, have some athletic background, have some musical background, mm-hmm. have some, you know, are, are, have good grades, have, you know, but also a big thing that we're looking at is what type of leadership have they, you know, have they started a, you know, have they served on a nonprofit? Have, do they do volunteer work, you know, in, in their local community? What kind of things do they do outside of those things that show leadership, you know? A lot of people are like, oh, I was a captain of a team. Well, were you a captain because, you know, you're a senior and everybody just, you're automatically a captain because you're a senior or did, did the coaches and, and the fellow that your fellow teammates nominate you because of your leadership, those types of things. So, you know, a big, like that liaison officer, what I did, a big part of our questions are, you know, is this, can this person be a leader? Do they have that um, in their background? Do they have those capabilities? Those are the types of things that, you know, they're always looking for. So, in a roundabout way to answer your questions, like the best of the best kind of bubble up, you know, no matter where they're at, right? And and we want, you know, whether in, they're in the inner city or, I mean, we had people, I mean, classmates at the academy from, you know, a town of 300 in the middle of Montana, you know, someone got there and, and there's only so many nominations, you know, within, within that area. So it's, it's I don't I don't think it's it's pretty it's pretty fair yeah, pretty, pretty fair, fair. Yeah, as, much, as much as it can be of yeah. course so you might not know the answer to this but what what percentage of the population like eight, 14, 18 is actually eligible for the Air Force like because I know like some people may be overweight some people might you know have already have records some people already be like have no drug use for the case may be like what percent is actually eligible that's a guy I don't know that's a good question um, I know you know the depending on what you want to do, right? So, and um, weight-wise, 
I mean, it, I think if you're able to pass, you know, the physical fitness test, you could, you could pass. I don't know for sure. I mean, di there's different, there's so many different things like pilot qualification. That's a whole nother story. You get, I mean, you got to have perfect eyes. You have to have, you know, no heart murmur, anything like that. Right. And so, but if you're, you know, you're going to be a finance officer, you're going to be doing that. That might be something different. Right. So I don't know what the percentage is on. Okay. And I know like the, the army has different requirements. Yeah. If you're going to enlist, the Navy has different requirements. Air Force has different requirements. Yeah, requirements going the, the in. Army, so. Army's like, you got to pause. Come on in. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. I, yeah. Anyway, I have a lot of uh, army guys that work with me. And so we, we're always teasing each other. On, yeah, definitely. Yeah, you know, it's, it's higher requirement to get into the Air Force. Yeah, definitely. Without a <laughs> doubt. Without a doubt. So talk, talk about your experience of overseeing products like, like the United States, Italy, Korea, like the channels of that, the collaboration that they do. Like, how does that work? Um, so say that again. So talk about the challenges of uh, like overseeing projects in Italy, Italy, Korea, oh, yeah, yeah. United States. Like, how do you work through that? Um, yeah. So this was, and th this was way before COVID. So, you know, there's no, none of that type of social constraints that we had, but, uh, um, a big part of it was, you know, a lot of travel, um, a lot of just communication and, and setting up the projects that we were doing beforehand. So, um, making sure that we built out the, the leadership team that was actually gonna be on the ground in Italy, in Korea, um, when we did those projects. Um, and really doing multiple check-ins, you know, with them. And a lot of it was being able to communicate at odd hours, right? Like, you know, if if we weren't in Italy, we're having meetings with, the, with Italy at, you know, in the middle of the night sometimes. Um, same with Korea, but uh, a big part of it was establishing that team that you're going to trust that, that they're going to be on the ground and they're going to be doing what, what you guys set in line, um, before you even get started. And then it's just check-ins after that. So in the air force what was your favorite duty station and then your least favorite duty station. Um, I would say probably my favorite was Edwards air force base. Um, I worked out in the Air Force uh, Propulsion Laboratory, um, which was way out in the middle of the desert, which originally when I thought I was going to go there, I thought I was going to hate it um, just because you're out in the middle of the desert. And um, But, you know, it's a test base, so they have every plane there. They they uh, landed the last shuttle there when I was there. Um, so it was just a lot of opportunity, a lot of things to learn, a lot of different um technologies that were there that uh we got to see and and there's a lot of history you know from uh what we did with with a lot of the shuttles with a lot of our different planes that we've developed over time you know a lot of that was tested out there so that was great and then my i mean my other the other station that i liked but it, it was different was los angeles air force base it's a great location you know right by the beach in el segundo there um but uh, I was out there during 9-11, which was, which was tough because, I mean, we're opposite coast of New York, but LAX was always uh, worried that that was going to be a target. So right after that happened, that wasn't, you know, that was tough um, to deal with there. And, you know, there's no planes or no, it's office building. So it's, it's not, doesn't have the feel of a real, uh, you know, military base. Yeah, I know with the army, it's like, every, every, all my friends, like, states, like, you no, know, we'll say, like, you no, know, 
they sort of said the bad assignments, right? You know, for pop pop drum, they loved yeah, it, yeah, right? Yeah. People French had like the, the you think Hawaii, everyone in Hawaii just hated it, right? I, yeah, I, I will say I probably Shepherd Air Force Base, uh, Wichita Falls mm -hmm. in Texas. That was probably the worst. Because yeah. I mean it was Wichita Falls, so you picture, you know, some beautiful but it's like a man made brown waterfall you know i'm gonna get a lot of heat for that but yeah it was it wasn't uh it's a training base out there and it was you know through i think it was yeah the winters are really cold and then it just got yeah, people about the, yeah. the panhandles because really yeah. snows up there yeah. Wichita, Amarillo. Yeah. people realize like how cold it gets up yeah. there so that, that blizzard's up there that was a that was a rough station there yeah. so next so your company is a service disabled veteran-owned business yep First of all, can you talk about the process of getting that distinction, like how hard it is? And is it really worth it? Like, what do you really get a benefit from doing that? Or is this like, you know, hype? Um, no, it's, I mean, it's, uh, yeah. So veteran owned business, it's, you know, you're, you're majority owned by a veteran. Right. And so, um, getting that is there's, we, there's third parties that do it. Um, the national veteran business development council is, the the one that we use um and they they do certifications as through third-party audits to to verify that yeah you are indeed a veteran-owned business um and a big part of that is making sure you know the veteran is a part of the business making day-to-day -day decisions you know helping with all the hiring understanding you know the financials and all that kind of stuff so there's a lot of interviews and and everything involved in the um, uh, the DOD also does their own um, certification too through the VIP program uh, and it's the CVE uh, which that certification and we're certified with them too and that's you know the federal government does the same type of thing and there's questions and audits that you go through um, on that's every three years and then our third parties every year and so it, it is beneficial from a business standpoint because from government contracting, they're set-asides, right? So this contract, we, you know, the government's only going to use a, a veteran-owned business or a service-to-sales veteran-owned business. So those set-aside contracts. But there's also, um, you know, a supplier diversity route with, you know, different customers that they want to work with veteran-owned businesses, they want to work with minority-owned businesses, they want to work with woman-owned businesses. There's that supplier diversity aspect that is helps with a competitive standpoint. So if, you know, we're a company that does this service and we're competing with someone that doesn't have any of those certifications, well, we have that leg up because we promote their supplier diversity, their um, social responsibility to the community and stuff like that. So it, it is definitely a benefit, um, is definitely helpful and, and opening the door, you know, with a lot of companies as a veteran-owned business, you know, it's like, okay, let's let's talk. Let's see what you got to offer. So what percentage of the business someone have to own? Like, if it is like 54%? 51. 54%. Yep. Okay. So all the, I'm sure it's to be some kind of bureaucratic stuff to go through, but all that bureaucratic stuff is actually worth it in the end. It is. It is okay. worth it. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Nice. And then... Um, there's something called the Department of Labor Harvest Platinum Medallion Award that you won recently. Can you yep. talk about that, what that is? Yeah, so that's um, with uh, the Department of Labor. They do um, an annual look at the companies that are really committed to hiring veterans and, and employing veterans. And they, so they look at, um, you know, how many veterans have you hired over the last year? 
how many veterans are you currently employing? How many um, veterans, uh, you know, are still with you after you hired? So that retention of, of your employees and, and they look at all that stuff and then uh, award different companies if they meet, you know, certain standards and, and certain expectations and are committed to um, those veterans and, and employing those vets and, and have the programs in place to ensure that, that they can succeed when they come work for your company. And so we won that, yeah, we won that um, last year, 2021. I, I don't think it's come out this year, but I know we, we were asked to apply again for that. So is there any benefit you get from the company besides like, getting an award or naming the paper, like, any kind of financial benefit or like some kind of tax cut or anything like that? Or is this mainly like, like a PR thing, so to speak? It, it's a PR and it's, you know, and it, Helps you recruit veterans, obviously. It helps us recruit veterans, and it, and I mean it. You know, it it kind of shows that you the type of company you, you have. walk the walk mm-hmm. too. You know, it's there's a lot. You, you'll see a lot of companies that just have that veteran friendly stamp out there, and the, yeah, the sticker doesn't yeah. really mean anything, we're, right? We're gonna hire a thousand people and five veterans yeah, in five years. Yeah, that's uh, it's more than that. So we, you know, it, we've proven that mm-hmm. with that. It, it's a proof to what we're talking mm-hmm. about, right? We we do. I mean, our vision's centered around providing opportunities for veterans. And so we're doing that. And then, and so it's, it's kind of a proof that, that we are committed to those, those veterans. So do you have, is it two companies or just one company? It's two companies. Yeah. We, we do the same services. It depends on our location. Um, and, and whether we're providing union labor or not. And you're the CEO of both of them, correct? Yes. And so do you have like, you know, like two staff each company or does the same staff run both companies? No, it's two separate staff. Okay. Um, you know, we have uh, CEOs in different company. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, it's our veteran or vector services primarily in the north east states um, where we've got a lot of union work. And then our vector force developments in the Midwest and, and down south. So I'm assuming you're a pretty organized person then. I, I am, I, yeah. Like we, I got a lot of help, you know. I'm, I'm kind of all over the place, but yeah, uh, making sure everything's organized is uh, a definite need, especially with travel, you know, because I'm all over the place. Yeah, um, and and all everything's done in the United States. You have anything like in other countries? It's all in the United States. All United States. Yep. And you're in 30, 30 states now. Thirty states. So, and you started the company back in 2016, right? Yes. So, I mean, it sounded like you had a lot of like fast growth, like. Yeah. How did you go so fast? How do you manage the growth? The growth, and then more importantly, like with your culture vision you had when you first started, how do you make sure the new people you hired on later on, like you know, had the same vision? Because obviously, you can't interview everyone now, right? So, how does that work? Right. So, yeah, I mean, and that that's um, that's a big learning experience with the growth, right? So, yeah, you know, you, we started out, and it, it's the the big part of our success was the human capital that we had. Um, the right people we had, you know, on the team and then our partnerships. So, I mean, having the right partner um, is instrumental, you know, in, you know, from a company standpoint, having the right customers from a company standpoint um, is instrumental in that growth. I mean, a lot of people, when you first start out a company, it's like any customer out there that you could get, you're like, yeah, I'll take it. But then you got to learn that you could say no to, you could fire a customer, yeah, all, right? All money's it's, not good money, that's right? That's right. That's right. And so it's, it's making sure you have the right customers, the right partnerships, um, you know, strategic partnerships that, that you can collaborate, that you see eye to eye and you guys have the same um, ideas on what that vision is and what you want to do. And, and 
we had that and and that really helped um, provide those opportunities to to grow you know the way we wanted to um, and then managing that growth that's a that's a different story and that's where that human capital comes in because it is you know you you it's like you know managing a raised garden bed you got you know I start the company and I, I you know plant the seeds I, I give them the right food I give them the right sun I give them the right water and then they are all doing great and we get start another bed you know we start another bed and you start another bed and I, I can't be doing that everywhere so you hire the right person that's you trust you know that you're going to trust on the ground to make sure that your vision and and the quality the the service that you provide the the safety that you provide that you know and those core values that you've set up that you trust that they're going to go do that same thing um and it it's a big it's a big you know growth mindset is is that trust because a lot of times you know, as you start the company, you want to you want to have your hand in on everything, but you really can't if you want to grow correctly, right? So you really have to build out trust into your employees and into those um, team members that that they're going to do the right thing, and and that's important to to sustain that growth because you can't do it all. And how many people do you have? We're both companies right now. Seven hundred. Seven hundred. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. So it's 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 grown a lot. Yes. Um, and so it's your philosophy this. Like a lot of people will say, you know, as far as like hiring people and firing, like a lot of people say, no, hire slow, fire fast, right? And yeah. my, my, my thing is like, no one fires fast, right? Because it's always, well, we can't fire Jason. It's his birthday or, you know, or the holidays <laughs> yeah, coming up. It's, or, hard. it's hard because, you know, you kind of, but and it's, it's something I, you know, I've grown to learn too, right? Where it's, it's, uh, we taught, we say it's fail fast. Mm-hmm. All right. So if something's failing, whether it's, you know, an employee that's not, performing whether it's a division a service a business line that you're doing and it's not working out you know shut down move on and that, that's kind of like what we communicate and you know you you build up these relationships you build up these um you know partnerships with you know different employees and stuff and it it sometimes can be hard because it, it's counterintuitive to you know, being loyal and you sometimes you think, well, if they're not, if they're not performing, maybe it's me or maybe it's that manager or whatever it is. But a lot of times you just have to make that decision and, and move on. And, um, yes, yeah, so we, in our company, we call it fail fast. And so if it's, if it's not working out and you know, the, the, if they have all the resources, that's the first thing, make sure they have all the resources to do what they're supposed to do. If they do, and it's still not working, then it's time to move on. What's your take on this? This is my first opinion. Feel feel, feel free to first back. But in my time in the army, my couple post army jobs, you know, working my own startup, it seems like, you know, if you're, you're very fortunate, you have like 10, 20% of people you come like really like adding value, trying to make themselves better, you know, now the rest of them, I'm not saying they're messing up, but like they're doing like, if you tell them to work nine to five, they work nine to five. If you tell them to do one, two, three, they do one, two, three, right? Even if you do number four, get some raise, right? Have you found the same thing or what do you think? What's your opinion on that? Yeah. I mean, <sighs> I believe everybody has something to offer, right? So it's finding, you know, and with our company, we have, you know, we have jobs where, you know, you're on the ground holding a flag for our traffic control. And we have, you know, CFOs, COOs, um, engineers, accounting, right? And so all those, it takes a different skill set or it takes different type of person. You know, we need, we need the creative people that might not be organized or that might not, you know, 
count their pennies to um, to every penny, right? They're not counting every penny, but you know they're out there thinking about new ways to do our services safer, or thinking about better way, you know, a new opportunity within one of our business lines, or we got you know our accountants, or we got you know people on the ground, and it's and it's yeah, there's there's some people that um, are always trying to go above and beyond, right? And, and you know, they rise fast. You see it and it's, you know, and, and they take on more and it's like, I'll, you know, and they build trust faster. Yes, what yeah, it definitely. is, right? So they yeah. build trust faster. So, you know, wherever they are in the business, it's like whoever they're working for, they're like, oh, I trust. I'm going to give that person more stuff to do. And, you know, then they get more experiences and they, they grow and blossom and, you know, some people are there just to work and that's what they want. And that's fine. You know, they're doing their nine to five and getting their paycheck and, and they're doing great at it, yep. you know? And so, um, but it, it does take a constant communication because maybe that guy's doing what he's supposed to do, but he does want to move up, but he's not the type of person that is going to communicate that. So that's, you know, we always try to stress, like get to know your employees, mm-hmm. you know, so you make sure you don't want them one day just quitting because and you never knew any, he was unhappy or that person was unhappy. So it's just, you know, constant communication up and down. So next, let's talk professional development. And so I want to break it down in several questions, right? So first, I want to talk about how you professionally develop yourself. Make sure like, you do what you need to do. Then how do you professionally develop your, your direct reports and your like people below them in the whole company? Like, how do you break that down? Um, yeah. So, I mean, I, I believe and I know the managers and the, the leaders in our company believe that you never want to hold anybody back. No, no matter what position they're in, if they want to educate themselves to improve, we support that 100%. So myself is, I was always, you know, I went, got my degree at the Air Force Academy, got my MBA at, at Pepperdine. Um, you know, they, they, there's a lot of different required trainings that you got to do while, while you're in the military, as you know. Um, so there's all those. And then there, you know, there was different classes I was just curious in where, you know, whether it was, you know, a different economic class I would take, you know, a night class just off the beaten path type thing. Or, you know, I wanted to learn more about Excel or, you know, st- just s- simple things like that. You know, is this always kind of yeah. wanting to learn? And I always wanted it. I never wanted to not be able to talk about something I was telling someone else to do. Right. So, um for my personal development, that's that is just that curiosity where it's like, ah, that guy's good at that. You know, I, I want to be able to talk to him about it. I'm going to go take a class on that or something like that. Um, and then within like my direct reports and stuff like that, a lot of them, yeah, I, I mean, we have people that are interested in, you know, growing from an ops to, you know, learning more on the financial side or learning how, or wanting to know how to run a PL or, um, you know, want, they're running a PL and they want to learn ops. And, and, you know, I think the more you learn, the more you, you're reading or, you know, it, it just helps you as a person. And so we don't, we, we do have, um, you know, we have leadership, uh, classes that we do, um, amongst our partnership. We, we have, uh, supervision classes. We have, we have a bunch of different safety um, courses that we offer and, and, and provide. Um, and then we have partnerships with um, different colleges where, you know, any of our employees could go 
and get, you know, this whatever training they want to do and, and we'll help support that. So do you think being a military veteran entrepreneur has been an advantage or disadvantage? I think it's been an advantage for sure. Um, I think just the, well, there's, there's numerous things. Why? What I think I learned. One is learning how to fail um, because, you know, when you're in the military, you're, you're yeah. humbled, right? I, I tell people all the time, yeah. the military is nothing else. It teaches you to get knocked down 10, get up 11. That's, that's right. You nothing that's else right. You're getting you knocked that. down all the time, whether it's, you know, going through basic training or, you know, failing out of mission, whatever it may be. But you're you're learning um, how to keep going and, and that that's how you learn, right? By, you know, by, by failing, by um, understanding why you fail, like making mistakes, that's how you learn. So... I mean, starting a business is not easy, right? And and I've, you know, I've always been entrepreneurial and I've started and failed businesses and, you know, and learned what I needed, what I didn't need. And then, you know, been successful um, with with Vector now, um, but also the discipline part of it, right? It's it's you got to get up and grind. You got to get up and grind. And it's it's. The, yeah, it's hard you to can't be, not. You yeah, can't. You know, it's hard it's, to successful only working nine to five. I, that's think, right, you know. and and it's it, it's not ever looking at the clock. It's just like I have to get this done. You have to get that done, um, and then it's prioritizing, you know, how that looks across your life, right? So, it's like yeah, you you have a family, you got to de- donate time to them. You you have this 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 company, this work, you got to donate time to them, and and it's being able to compartmentalize and 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 really dedicate yourself to each aspects of 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 that you know and and i think i learned that a lot of that and that discipline that that kind of service to others in the military um for sure and i think that's helped a lot so talk about this i think a lot of people don't talk about this enough as far as being an entrepreneur i mean life still goes on right like you're still like you know you have a wife you have kids you have social obligations um, other family members. I mean, you're, you're probably washing your clothes, cutting grass, you know, like, all that, yeah. you know, cutting, taking the oil, car service, like all that stuff still has to happen, right? It's, that's like, right. it's not like you're, you know, Elon Musk, that's the kind of person to serve, right? <laughs> that's right. So how do you like manage all that? Um, it's, yeah, it, I mean, it gets hard, especially with the travel, right? So, I mean, the biggest thing for me is I want to make sure I'm giving the people that are important in my life the time that they deserve. So, you know, I don't want to be this person that's on the road, you know, 300 days out of the year. And, you know, all of a sudden my kids are graduating from high school and college and I don't know who they are. Right. So I want to be able to to focus on that. And really it's a balance. Right. And I mean, it's one of our core values that we provide. And I think, you know, if people are happy with their family life, then they're going to be better employees. And so I, I, I know that with myself too. If I'm, if I'm overly, you know, stressed at home because I'm not, you know, being a part of whatever, or I'm not able to, to commit to where I want, then I'm going to bring that to work, you know, and I'm, I'm, I'm going to be um, hurting at, you know, that job. Or if I'm, you know, at work and I'm not doing my, the best that I can, then I'm going to bring in that stress back to home too. And I, that's never going to work. And so it's really like, being organized, you know, and a lot of the stuff like mowing the lawn, like, you know, that day to day, you kind of like doing that, right? It's almost, 
like, all right, this is like you, you know, get you, my you, mind like, off you, you, things. You, you, yeah, you cut your brain off a little bit. You cut your brain off a little bit, and, and you know you, you you're you're committed just to that you know that task at the time, and and it kind of helps out, and it and it's really looking at it that way, not like um, oh I have to do this, but it's like okay I'm gonna you know get this done, I'm gonna get this done, I'm gonna get this done, and you know being able to when when I when I'm coming home or I, I've been traveling, I come back and I'm you know, watching one of my kids play a game or something, it's, you're just focused on that and it's, it makes it that much more special. And then, you know, when you go to a conference or something with work, you're focused on that and it, you're, you're that much dedicated. You don't have to worry about things. So it's really just making sure you actually put in the time, um, to all aspects of your life and making sure you do that. And sometimes you got to sack, that's why you have great people on board, right? You guys, sometimes like, I don't have to be there. I'll have, you know, one of our employees or one of our other leaders could handle that or I don't have to be there, you know. So it's just that balance and, and building that community, right, to, to support. So do you think you work more hours now or back when you, you were in the Air Force? Or about the same? Um, I don't know. I'd say I'm a lot more efficient now, right? So there's a lot of stuff. Back when I was in the Air Force, it was like, you know, you're you have to go sit at that desk. Or you have to, you know, different different depending on where is that in the Air Force. Um, but a lot of times it's desk work, right? Where you're at a desk, you you know, you're there from seven to five at night, and you're in your meetings, you're doing your your computer work or whatever. Maybe you're on your phone calls. But a lot of times you're just sitting there and you're like waiting for time to go by, right? And it's like they try you know, depending on where you're at. And, you know, now it's just more efficient where, you know, let, we could get this done in, in 30 minutes versus 90 minutes, you know, so why are we scheduling, you know, a 90 minute meeting, we could get this done. And so I think it's become, I probably work the same, but it's, it, I'm getting, I, getting I'm a lot, getting more, a lot done, more done more now efficient. just because it's more efficient. And I know what, you know, what I should be doing, what, you know, there's a lot in the air for, or in the military, you know, especially as when you're younger, kind of, learning there's a lot of stuff you do because you're told to do it and it's but it's not necessarily moving things forward you know on a different project or something like that so i think now it's i'm probably working the same amount of time um you know and it, it goes up and down depending on yeah i know people ask me a lot sometimes you go back to army i don't know it wasn't that bad then i remember cq staff duty yeah yeah 24 hour duty yeah i think you know it's and I mean, I was after 9-11, things changed where I was at because we had to take on like augmentee duty. So then, you know, we're working almost 18 hours, you know, straight. And then you have a few hours off. Then you come back and do, you know, your acquisition job, finance job, stuff like that. And then, you know, so that that part was crazy. I'm not, you know, you don't have that type of stuff as much. And then I'm, I'm planning my schedule a lot more. Whereas when you're in the military, a lot of it's kind of planned for you where, you know, it's like, you're going to be here. You got to go to training, you know, from this date to this day, you got to go do this and this. And, you know, now it's, it's all right. I want to do this. I'm going to do this. We need to get this done. And it's just uh, a lot more. Yeah. Um, and plus my own. Yeah. And plus yeah. too, like if suppose when you're employed at the UI, you probably wouldn't even know about it. Right. Where right. the, the military, you probably know within a matter of minutes. That's right. That's so, right. So have a head of DUI, you yeah, know, yeah. it's your fault. We're going to do about yeah. it. You no, know, let me see all your PowerPoint presentations on not driving <laughs> UI, you know, yeah. the last two years. Yeah, checks on checks on, 
United Checks. Yeah, there's was, was a lot of that. So your company is, a, is it an LLC? Uh, yes. And have you like bootstrapped the whole thing, take on any investment for anyone? It's all like been, been you on your own so much. No, it's, uh, yeah, so we have um, strategic partnerships um, with that to, to help grow. Um, but uh, yeah, it's, and then, you know, just our internal growth has helped support us. So is the plan like to pass it on to like your, your kids or? or um, or that still hasn't, just I, hasn't been I, made yet? Yeah, I haven't. You know, to me, I'm still in like in let's, prime. Let's let's get this growing and and uh, let's continue to see how many vets we could help. You know, that's that's what honestly that really gets me excited. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh yeah, you know, like uh, we we have four divisions now, and and you know, in our workforce group, we're looking to expand into other industries. So we're we're helping with energy utility. We're looking to help in the tech industry because you know I, I mentioned at the beginning of the podcast like. In the military, there's every skill set you can think of, right? So we want to provide opportunities to all those skill sets versus, you know, just a select group of people. So that's that's really what I'm thinking okay. about now. So like exit strategy, okay. I'm not really thinking about. So that. those are this old article, this Army Times article, like back in 2014, 2015, 2016. Basically said, uh, I'll make this number up. Like 75 percent of veterans who get out and get a job, like two jobs in two years, right? So I'm pretty sure that's still the same way. Like when people ask me for advice, I always tell them, hey, if you can, you know, take a break, right? I think too many yeah. veterans, I know a lot of people, the veterans are like, oh, I'm getting out in a year, let me buy a house, or let me buy a car. Not realizing that not only is it, you know, pay got cut by 50%, it's actually 75% because you lose all your housing, right? That's right. And so you got to take this bullshit job that you don't like, you know, and you got to suffer through it and you end up quitting or getting fired and get to take another BS right. job, right? So, yeah, it's just, a, well, I think it's a challenge. Yeah, and that's, that's, that's a big part of what we provide is kind of that liaison service. So we're talking to vets, you know, in their TAPS class. So our, our vector teams go on to different Great. TAPS classes around the country and be able to talk to them that say, hey, here's what your career could look like, right? Because when you're in the military, it's like, okay, every two years I'm going to get a promotion if I, you know, don't screw anything up and I'll be here and I'll be here in five years and I'll be here. And so our mindset's like, okay, well, what do I got to do to get to that next spot? So veterans, they want to know what that career path is. So I get out, I be, you know, I work in craft control. What does that look like? I get out, I work in um, excavation. What does that look like? You know, and so we put those career paths in place and we communicate them before, you know, before they actually get out. And, and, and it's a liaison on both sides, right? So it's like talking to the companies that, that we work with that say, hey, here's what the vet's going to bring from day one. Here's what skills that they have. Here's what you know they can provide. And getting them to understand that. And here's what they're coming with from you know an experience standpoint, a mental standpoint, whatever it may be, right? And so, and then here's all these services that we could provide the vets that they have from a VA standpoint, from all that stuff. But I mean, you got out, like the VA has loans, the VA has, you know, um, all these support services, but it's like, no one explains it to you. It's like, yep, here it is. Okay, how do I get a VA loan? You know, how do I do that? And it's, you know, how do I use my GI Bill? You know, how how do I use that, right? So we provide those communications to the vets as they're getting out to help them out because that you know there, there's no instruction booklet right it's like here's all these services that the country's given you but how do i do you know we we even help 
you know, um, family members, some, if someone passes away and they had service, you know, funeral services and all that kind of stuff or transitioning benefits and there's all those things. And, it, and it's kind of, um, you know, and then we educate the companies that we work with too. And so they could help provide those benefits and those liaison um, terms. And so it really, I mean, it should be a puzzle piece, right? Like the biggest shortfall for all these companies is workforce. I need, I need great workers. I need great employees. And then there's this huge pipeline of great workforce that's coming out. We should be able to make that puzzle piece fit. And that's, that's really what we're just trying to do is provide that translation, you know, provide that translation on what they're doing. I mean, like you said, if you think about it, you prefer a 22 year old, I'd rather college, probably some like desk job, you no know, entry level job. A 22-year-old second lieutenant in the Air Force is going to work, you know, overseeing like 25, 30 people, yeah. millions of dollars of equipment, on and on and on, right? I mean, it's to me, it's not even close. That's right. It's, it's you know, it's like night and day. And then, But you talk to like, you know, a civilian recruiter and they're like, you know, so, uh, oh, you know, an 06 that's commands 2,000 people and, you know, a $500 million budget. They're like, oh, they don't have the experience and, you know this and i'm like, like what yeah they do they, they have experience you need someone to to lead this right and so they can lead that they can lead you know the the nuances of whatever you know skill that or whatever product whatever service that they're providing they can learn that but you, you know the company needs leaders to take something from here and take it there and you know a lot of the military has that yeah, it's like that disconnected business forever, right? It is. And I don't is. know how to fix it. I mean, yeah. besides oh, we're, people we're like trying. You, yeah. We're trying, yeah. Um, so then there's something called a, um, there's like some kind of award. You got another award. Like you were like number seven of the Vet 100 awards. Vet 100, yeah. We just we just had that celebration. Um, that was last, last week in Washington, D.C. They did the Vet 100 awards. And so it's the top 100 fastest growing, growing veteran-owned businesses. Um, for 2021 so we were number seven in terms of growth um so that was that was exciting that was, so how was, do you find out how do you find out about the opportunities like the medallion one this one how do you find out about all those opportunities um a lot of it's like you know communications come to us just because um you know some of the different uh groups we're a part of some of the different networks we're a part of you know we hear about it um our our business development our strategy uh, divisions, you know, they're they're always on top of all that kind of stuff. So how do you do with that thing? Of course, most veterans are great, but there are some veterans. I think when they get out, you know, they're so used to being told what to do. Like, you know, you know, I got to be here this time. I yeah. work from nine to eleven. You know, you know, the government moves me everywhere. Everything's done for me, right? And they have like no. I won't say they have no initiative, but like they're just, you know, right? They're waiting. Like, yeah, they're how, waiting to be told. How what do to you do. say, hey, you no, know, you're in power now. You know, I need for you yeah. to do this. How do well, you go through that? Yeah, that, and I, I, I kind of alluded to that a little bit like different people have different skill sets some are like go-getters all right give me the next thing oh if if i finish my job i'm going to grab a broom and start sweeping the warehouse right there's those types of people and a lot of times they'll you know move up but there are employees that it's like you need to tell them exactly what to do you tell them exactly what to do and they'll go do that and they'll do it great you know it's but and so it's finding like what the right role is you know or and communicating with them like Here's what you're gonna do, and 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 learning about each of those employees because again, I think everybody has something to offer, right? So it's like, what are they good at? 
go put him in that position. And yeah, a lot of the military, you know, they're, they're waiting, um, even like senior levels that come out that, that we hire, it's kind of like they're waiting for approval or they're waiting, you know, okay, I'm going to make this decision, but I need another layer of approval to make that decision. A lot of time it's like, no, there's your inline, go get it. And as long as it's legal, I don't care how you go get it. As long as it's legal and you know, you're not wasting money, go get it. And so you sometimes you have to give those that nudge because they're used to bureaucracy of all these you know decision points that have to be made before they could do anything and that's that's definitely not the case so um yeah you're right in in that sometimes they come out and they're just can i make this decision or not or do i need <laughs> I can, more I can, approval I can, I can do like, this? hey we as long as you get to that end line you're good you know just as long as you do it legally and and within our budget go do whatever you want right so next talk about this so I remember when I get out, there was like a lot of like Colonel Sergeant Majors, like senior ranking people. It's like, oh, I'm gonna get a job easily. I'll be VP or whatever this department. And they got humble pretty fast, right? Yeah. Can you talk about, you know, of course, you know, like I say, like, if you're like a, a, a former Colonel doing HR, you know, you maybe shouldn't apply for VP of HR at Microsoft. But then again, you know, you shouldn't expect to get like an HR clerk job either, right? No, Can yeah. Can you talk about be like being realistic and all that kind of stuff? Yeah, so it's, it's I mean, this, I, I kind of had this happen to me too, you know, like I, because I mean, when I got out in, in 2007, I was, I was a young captain, you know, and I was like thinking I was a superstar, you know, I was like managed, you know, hundreds of millions of dollars and, you know, projects and, you know, supervise these people. And yeah, I should easily get this job. And you, you know, you hear stories and, you know, oh, this guy's making whatever out here, this guy's doing this. Or so you just think I automatically, you know, I'm going to easily get a job. Right. And, and, you know, it's, you know, and, and then you learn like some people interview better, some people don't. And you, you, you think like, Oh, I'm just going to go. They're going to see what I did. And, <laughs> and yeah, just hire me. And it was, you know, I, I had to learn to be a better, you know, interviewer. Cause I came out and I was like, yep, I'm great. What do you, what else do you need to know? You know, and it was like, oh, my resume. we don't understand. Yeah. It's like, didn't you see on the paper, you know, that kind of thing. And, and so there, there is a lot of that, um, training and, 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 uh, it's, it's really kind of setting your ego aside because yeah, you do have the skills to, to, to offer and it's really learning how to share what your capabilities are without assuming that the people know how great you were. Right. So you are great, right. You, you, and, you're a colonel, you're a one star, whatever it may be, you had to do some great things to get to that position and that are very translatable, but it, it's it's understanding that the person that you're, or the company that you're gonna go try to work for doesn't necessarily know that. So it's, it's learning how to communicate that. And yeah, it's a lot of times getting help or, or tempering your expectations from day one, right? And just kind of learning um, and then, you know, it's talk to talk to the people that have done it, you know, and that that's that's a big part. You know, we work with uh, hiring our heroes, which is an awesome program um, where, you know, we we will hire, you know, an officer that's getting out within 90 days. So the last 90 days that they're on station, we'll hire them as kind of like an internship, let them kind of see how the business works. And then after, in the 90 days, we have a decision either to hire them or not, or they could, you know, interview with the other hiring our heroes 
um, companies there and it's a great opportunity. So there's, there's tons of stuff like that. Um, and then you, you going into those types of things, you kind of see, okay, that's another thing is like the pace of a lot of like the civilian companies is a lot faster than what you see within the military where it's like making a decision. I mean, you know, in combat, you know, field combat, mm-hmm. that's all different, but like the normal pace mm-hmm. of the military, it's like, you know, like they always say steering a tank, it's, it's hard to make that quick turn. Whereas in the company, it's like, yeah, we're, we're moving. We got to go. We can't wait, you know, to, to make these decisions. So that's another kind of learning environment there where it's, it's, you know, you come aboard and you're like, on this rocket ship, you know. So what's your advice to like military veterans like about to get out in the next few months? Talk to as many people that have done it. Talk to different companies. I mean, we have, we, you know, Vector has a bunch of people to, to talk to. Um, look at different programs like Hiring Our Heroes because that's a, that program does a lot of the connected tissue, right? So, you know, it, it's it's finding the right companies. It's doing your research. Don't wait. Like you know, you're going to get out in 18 months usually, right? So, don't wait till TAPS class. You know, one month before you're going to get out to start doing all this stuff because there's there's a lot of opportunity. So, um, the biggest advice is start early from when you know you're getting out and doing your research and and talk to whoever. I mean, everybody wants to help, right? It, and it's it's just giving yourself that avenue to get that help and uh, being able to, to, to listen. And Vector, your headquarters in the state of Washington? We are headquartered, we're actually moving our headquarters to Denver. We're actually headquartered now in Illinois, um, but we're moving our headquarters to Denver. And then you headquarters in Denver, does each state have like its own headquarters too? or everyone? Yeah, we, we kind of have centralized, um, not centralized, but we have usually a hub within the states we're working in, yeah. So, if you go back in time, what advice would you give yourself first starting off as an entrepreneur? Um, I would say be patient and trust your instincts. Um, trust your instincts more, be patient, and um, make sure that you pick the right partners. Don't trust everybody. From yeah, that's on. a hard lesson to learn for it's most hard, people, to include me. Everyone's yeah. not your friend, you know. That's right. That's right. I just saw this like, like, it's like a lot of there's like all these coaches now, right? Like, I don't know my peers. Like, they say, man, I get at least 10, 10 LinkedIn messages from a random coach. You know, can I connect with you? What's <laughs> the seconds later? Yeah, life like, coaches. I like, like, like physical fitness coach. I just connected with you. How are you gonna make me better, right? Yeah, it just like drives me batshit crazy, yeah. right? It's like getting to know people, man. It's taking the time to get to know people for sure. Um, and you know, I. I would say some more advice is, you know, network. Like that, everybody hates that word because it's it feels uncomfortable. You know, like is it what does that mean? I just gotta go cold call people or reach. You know, it's no, it's really just you know, especially in the military, that's a huge benefit, right? Your your military career, you you touch all these people, right? And all these people have all these experiences, and it's it's a it's a brotherhood. It's a you know camaraderie. It's you know, it's an automatic network that you have, whether it's in the, the Army, the Air Force, you know, you're stationed with, you know, a bunch of these people and some of them moved on, some of them haven't. Just maintain that network. It's it's really important. And it's, you know, it's something that 
civilians don't necessarily have, right? You know, you go to college and you kind of build out a network of people you went to college with. Well, the military is how many people, right? And you kind of always have that connection, open door. Hey, you were in the army, I was in the army. Hey, you were in the military, I was in the military too. You know, that's that's an easy kind of icebreaker for anything. And just remember that and, and maintain that network of, you know, people people you know and, and met and and, and that's a, that's that's very helpful with with business or yeah. Not only that, like how many careers like like I'm not the military. I, 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 there's at least hundreds of cities I can go. Hey, I'm taking a trip to Miami. I know so and so here. You know, hey, hey, right. John, Bob, I'm going to Miami for a couple of days. You want to link up? You know, that's like right. most people can't do that. I don't think. Yeah, yeah, and it's you know, and and the other good thing with the military that we see is they're used to moving around, right? Mm-hmm. So that's that's a benefit, you know. So if you're willing to go somewhere. That, that's helpful for companies, right? Because you're, it makes you a lot more flexible. A lot of people are like, nope, I'm only going to work here. Yeah. You know, and so that that's helpful because it's like, hey, this guy's used to moving every three years. Not that we're going to do that, but yeah. it's like... But it's an opportunity hey, for promotion an and advancement. You that's know? right. Yeah. That's right. It's an opportunity. Yeah. So next, um, for, for your company, you're in 20, any plans on growth anytime soon? We're, yeah, we're always, you know, continuing to grow. Um yeah, we see we see growth. You know, we're we're in a lot of the infrastructure space. We we, you know, all our operational divisions, our three operational divisions, are ancillary construction services. So, you know, when when they're putting fiber in the ground, when they're putting electrical in the ground, we're putting gas in the ground. We're providing the support services for that construction work that they're doing, and that's going on. I mean, they're putting five G in everywhere. They're you know, there's there's um, federal requirements to update all the the gas infrastructure, all the electrical inf- infrastructure, from you know when they put it in 50, 100 years ago, right? They they need to update that, and and so we're a big part of that. And so we, we see growth along those lines, and within the energy um, industry as a whole, you know, and going solar and wind and all that stuff, we we kind of have touch points on all that. So tomorrow, how do you make sure like you work focus on priorities one and two versus jumping up priority number thirty seven? Um, we do, yeah. That's and that takes the team, right? And that takes the team, and that takes the communication on. Okay, what what do we need? To, what needs decision needs? It's really based off like our decision matrix, kind of what decision needs to happen today, what decision can wait, and so we kind of prioritize it that way. Um, and then we allow time for, you know, the fires that pop up here and there. And so it, it really takes, yeah, organization and and um, your time really kind of planned out and planned out. So you got to plan out for the unknowns too. So, you know, it's, it's like you look at your calendar and it's like you got everything's, every hour's taken up, but you have hours in there as a buffer be able to manage the stuff that you know is going to pop up that you're not planning for. But it's really decision trees on what do we decisions that need to be made versus what can wait. And that's kind of how we prioritize everything. So, Jeff, what, what do you do for fun? Oh, man. So I, uh, I play, you know, basketball, pick up basketball. Um, I coach. I uh, we do a lot of hiking, uh, a lot of the outdoors here in in, in Washington. Um, we snowboard like doing that so we always we usually always have an epic pass and it's it's been bad with <laughs> with whistler being closed with covid and everything but uh 
yeah, I do a lot of a lot of stuff outdoors for sure. Go hunting. And then, like, you, of course, you're busy doing a lot of stuff, you know. But how do you make sure you take care of yourself? Like, how do you take take care of your wellness? Well, I think the most important thing is exercise, like mm-hmm. physical fitness, like getting out, like, because like I, I really believe it affects me mentally. Like I always tell my kids, I'm like, a body emotion stays in motion, mm-hmm. body at rest stays at rest. Like you, you forget to exercise, you're sitting on the couch. It's going to be hard to actually get up and do that. But if you're exercising, yeah. you know, you you plan out, you make sure you're doing that something physically active, then you're gonna you feel bad when you don't do it. So then you're kind of you know, you have to plan it out because, like, I got to get this done. Otherwise, I feel bad if I don't. Um, so it's it's kind of keeping that consistency. And the real – and that that's that does get difficult. I've had, like, ups and downs, especially, like, as your travel schedule. But what I've learned is, you know, getting uh, groups of people, like, bought in with you so you, you hold each other accountable. So it's like, hey, I'm going to, you know – let's let's set a goal of we we have to work out 30 minutes every day and we have to check in on each other every day or something like that and or you know doing um different competitions or whatever whatever it is it's just you know setting those goals and making sure every day i'm going to carve this out whether it's you know going on a long walk or doing uh strength in a hotel you know when i'm there making sure we we, I have that time locked out. Sometimes it's got to be early in the morning, but I'm not going to go to bed without doing something, you know, physical. And, and that's a big part of really keeping me balanced a little bit. But, uh, yeah, a big part of it. Yeah, that's always been a challenge for me. Like, whenever I go to the gym, I feel so much better in the yeah, day. Yeah, you do. First one feels, but then, like, man, you know, the, it, the self-doubt comes. It's like, all right, I got to take the step to yeah. go do it. And then, you know, or it's just like, start putting on your shoes. And then, next thing you know, you're done. Yeah. Other part of it comes, comes and says, you know, can you really afford like drive 10 minutes of gym, 30 minutes of gym? Can you really afford an hourly day? Yeah. Got this stuff going on, you know, like be quiet. I got to go to this, yeah, you know. Yeah, you got to, you know, set it up. Or, I mean, that's the other thing. It doesn't, it doesn't necessarily have to be the gym too, you know. It can yeah, just it be, be push up, you know, push up setups, whatever that, that you can, you you know, you land late in the, and you go to a hotel room and, you know, doing your push ups, whatever it may be. It's just something. Making sure you do it, right? And, and holding yourself accountable and, and having other people that could hold you accountable, mm-hmm. that's always helpful. It's, it makes it fun, too. Yeah. For, for your company, I'm going to presume you have, you have lots of KPIs to track. Like, how do you all decide what KPIs track? What KPI, are they the same all the time? Are they changed? Like, how do you how do you decide the KPIs? Um, yeah, I mean, we have ones, you know, I, I've talked about before, but we're in operations, right? So safety is, like, our number one core value, making sure people get home to their families, making sure they, they're not getting hurt or anything like that. And so we have a lot of KPIs on that, but those are, those are reactive, mm-hmm. right? So it's like, okay, we, you know, at the end of the month we had one incident. And so our, um, one of our safety scores, our TRIR is this, right? So we need to fix that going forward. But what were you starting, you know, and then we have financial mm-hmm. KPIs and st- all that kind of stuff. But what we're starting to sit, try to do is be a little more proactive on, on what we're, Hey, how many audits do we do in the field? How many um, uh, JHAs do we, you know? So then you could see, okay, our guys are doing what they they know what they're supposed to be doing, and we could track that data point and say, that's it, these guys are are slacking on those details. So we know an incident's probably going to happen unless we change it now. So we're trying to be more proactive on what things we're tracking. Um, and using those performance indicators 
leading indicators versus those lagging indicators that you know we we track all the time so we're really trying to get into those those leading indicators um just to to be a lot more proactive and instead of reacting on, on some of that stuff. And does someone from some kind of agency come and speak y'all for safety like once a month or what year or something? We have our own safety department. So that's, I mean, and they they don't report to operations, right? So they're almost like a third party to operations where they're like, hey, these are, whether it's, you know, a new hard hat, a new glove, a new, you know, PPE that we, we got to use or, or that's, you know, come down to help things out, roll those out or, it's an, a different procedure. We got to update our procedure, whatever it may be. That safety department's doing that. But they also are like a third party check. Hey, we'll go out in the field to make sure, you know, you're doing X, Y, Z to maintain safety for that whole team. Um, so they'll do all that kind of stuff. But, um, you know, and then there's the OSHAs, those types of agencies that, you know, we're responsible to and, and stuff in that part, too. So how do you do this? Like, I think some entrepreneurs, they, you know, they say they work seven days a week, 80, you know, seven days a week, 80 hours a week, you know. Some people only work Monday through Friday. You know, how do you do your schedule? Is it pretty much the same all the time or it changes up depending on travel? And other it, things? it changes up, but I mean, I'm always, it, it, I'm always on someone, yeah. right? I always have that phone, which is bad. And, you know, I, I like to take those vacations where the phone doesn't work mm-hmm. sometimes, right? And so... You need that, but most of the time I'm always on. Essentially, um, you know, if I'm with my family, I'm not going to answer anything mm-hmm. or I'm not going to do anything. Um, but I don't want to let it like I'm, I'm not the type of person to like let it build up because that's stressing me out in the mm-hmm. background. I'd rather you know answer a question here, or there, or something like that. Um, you know, I do have downtime. Mm-hmm. You know, at night where I'm not going to do anything, but. Uh, um, it's it's kind of up and down. I just I just make sure you know any part of my day I'm gonna you know have some dedication to myself whether it's that with my family whether it's you know friends or whatever it may be it's just not with work right so mm-hmm. I'm focused on that um, so maintain that balance but yeah I mean sometimes you're flying you know all day and. You land and you're working all day and then you fly home and then it might be, hey, I'm taking half a day to spend with the family the following day. That So it's just maintaining that balance so you're not losing any traction with, with, you know, who you're focused on. So your company, of course, you know, it can be remote work. Kind of a lot of remote work is a big thing right now. But what's your take on remote work? Of course, you can't do it now. Like, like. We, we can't, we do, I mean, a lot of our, I mean, our workforce solutions. So we have four division. We have workforce solutions. Then we have hydrovac excavation. We have traffic control. And we have um, inspection services. So our workforce solutions is really like recruiting and staffing. That's really like we hire vets and we, we put them to work with other companies or internally. Um, and so that, yeah, we have recruiters and we have, you know, HR all over and they're, they're kind of remote. So, um, so with that, you, you didn't like, no one said to you, Hey, they can't be remote because it's unfair to remote workers and nothing like that. No, because I, yeah, I mean, they, they can, I mean, they, they don't have to, they're pretty much on the phone mm-hmm. on the computer and then we'll do collaborative meetings where we'll fly people mm-hmm. in together, you know, once a month or depending on what division it is. And then we, we also, you know, you, all the different managers of the different groups, they're all over the place, right? So 
we still have we still have to ha so it's kind of considered remote like this manager you know managing the northeast is kind of remote from our manager managing the southeast mm -hmm. but they're doing the same mm -hmm. work right so they might run into something or, or see something happen in the northeast and we want to make sure that's communicated to our other divisions mm -hmm. right so there is that collaborative part of it where it's like we have to get together and that's why I travel so much because I do believe face to face yeah. you're going to get a lot more done than trying to be on the you know trying to even being on a Zoom call it's it's just you don't have that um, you don't have the body language part that helps make communication a lot more efficient right so I believe we we too try to get together and have face to face meetings whenever we can whether you know different groups just to make sure those silos aren't enclosed too much. Yeah, Josh, you already talked about your company some, but can you go like more detail, like what, what y'all do, how the company got started, what you focus on now, and what you see your, the future of the company being? Yeah, so, I mean, our vision, I, I talked about our vision a little bit. So our vision is providing uh, veterans opportunity in the energy industry. It, it's, it's pretty vague, but it's, it's open to, that's what we want to do. We want to help vets. We're a big part of this industry, and there's a big opportunity. Um, there's a lot of opportunities for veterans in this industry and we want to be the liaison for that. So that's kind of how it started. And so when I got out of the act, off active duty, I went and did worked uh, with a telecommunications company. So I got into that utility um, kind of business and, you know, there's a lot of opportunities with that where we brought in veterans and trained them on different um, aspects. So there was a part of that in my first civilian job where I was doing, and then I got into consulting a little bit and I worked on um, corporate social responsibility. Um, I worked on, um, you know, workforce solutions. I, I did all that kind of stuff. So right when, before starting Vector, I saw this opportunity of, hey, there's this need of a diverse workforce in the energy and utility industry. And then from my background is like, there's this huge supply of workforce that's coming out of the you know, transitioning out of the military every month and that are looking for positions. So that's really how the company started where it's like, hey, let's let's try to bring these guys out and train them into these different roles. So we started out as like, hey, we'll we'll, you know, bring these veterans on, train them and put them into roles with these different partners that we start out with. Um, and then we morphed from there where we didn't necessarily have to do training in order to get them on board. It was better to hire them directly, put them on the job and do on the job training, you know? Um, so then we were recruiting staffing. And then when you go, we, we went out to a construction site, all these partners we were working with where they're constructing these pipelines they're constructing, you know, these fiber networks, all these types of things, all the ancillary support services you see, they were paying, you know, these other companies to do. And it's like, hey, we could do that and put veterans into those spots. So you go out and you see traffic control and you see an aerial truck working on a power line. That traffic control is an ancillary service. Or you go out and they have to, you know, dig, open a, open the road and, and excavate, um, you know, that road. That's a different company that's excavating that road. Or we'll do potholing to put in power poles. Um, you know, where they use vacuum trucks to pothole. Um, so that was another ancillary service. Um, and then we do inspection services where we're inspecting utilities that are being replaced to make sure that, 
You know, there's no um, gas lines not going through a sewer line and stuff like that. So those are different construction opportunities that we saw that we said, hey, here's here's places that vets could work and build out their careers. So we started those um, different operations to say, hey, let's let's put vets here and we'll continue our workforce and recruit for, you know, different jobs that might not necessarily be within Vector, but we could put them with with our other partners. So it's kind of grown from there. So going forward, I see, you know, there's other, it, it's continuing to grow those divisions um, because, you know, the, the hydrovac excavation is a big uh, opportunity from a safety standpoint. You're not, you don't want to damage other utilities when you're digging in the ground. So a lot of municipalities don't want to put shovels into the ground. And so they use hydrovac excavation where you're, it's like a vacuum sucking up rock versus you know chopping down into things so that's a big opportunity um traffic control is you know growing you see it you, you don't really think about it but it's it's a big need because as we build out this infrastructure we update our infrastructure we got to control you know, hopefully we update it right <laughs> yeah ho- that's right hopefully update this infrastructure we got to manage that safety on the on the street so there's a big part of that and there's there's opportunities to increase safety on the streets and, and like the setups we have. And so we're a big part of that. Um, but then, you know, other services that we might get into um, that we're looking at. And then uh, on the workforce side, you know, we're, we're really focused on the construction, utility construction, energy industry. But, you know, we're looking at we're working with companies to hire pilots. We're working with companies to hire um, medical personnel coming out of the military and putting them into to hospitals or, or VA type work and those types of things that we're looking at to, gr- to continue to grow. Are, are you going to be adding any more divisions in the future? Potentially. We might, yeah. If, if it's a completely set, we're always looking at those types of things, um, either organically growing or acquisition, stuff like that. Um, you know, what we want to do from, from that ancillary construction side. So you, you're doing a, great, a lot of great things for veterans. This is great. But sometimes it seems like a lot of stuff you're doing, the government should be doing, right? Do you ever think about that? Like, hey, I'm taking this on as a, of course, it goes back to your servitude attitude. Do you ever sometimes, man, you know, I could be doing, you know, I won't say better things, but I'm more focused on my business versus like helping veterans out. The government should be doing this or a nonprofit or something like that. No, because, uh, yeah, I can see where you're coming from. But I I mean, that's that's a big part of our motivation Mm -hmm. and it's a big part of our culture. Right. And so, I mean, 70 percent of our. I think it's 75% of our, our executive leadership is all veterans. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we all kind of see that and we see the benefits of helping these veterans out and how it's helped our company grow, both from a, the quality that they bring and the work that we're doing, um, the discipline that they bring on on the, the processes that we have in place, all that kind of stuff. And so that vision is beneficial to our business. It's not we do this or we do that. It's kind of you know, providing this service and having that attitude that we are going to serve these people and then trusting that by doing that, they're going to serve us and, you know, being great employees for this business and, and helping it grow. And so that's, that's kind of how I see it. I don't see it as a frustration. Um, the, the only thing I see is I told you about, we're like, we do this liaison type services where we'll actually talk to the VA, you know, a lot of times for our employees or, you know, for family members of employees or whatever it is, you know, to help with these services. And that's still frustrating, right? I mean, it's, it's, it's dealing with the VA still, there's, there's a lot of work that, that can be done with that. And, 
you know, even with the resources we have, it's still it's still not as as uh, helpful as it can be. Yeah. So there, so there's that part of it, but you know, you know, being able to provide those services, being able to um, help vets in that way. I don't see it as counterintuitive to our business. So, so you're saying that like instead of looking at like you know, do the business or help vets, it's help do the business and help vets. That's right. It's, it's That's or right. and instead of or. Yes, absolutely. So next, I, I sort of mentioned this earlier, but let's talk about military spouses too. I, I don't think most people realize like you no, know, most military spouses like you know have college degrees, but they work BF jobs like you know clerks, cashiers, yeah. and. The number could be wrong, but I think that they always have the highest demographic unemployment rate, like 20% unemployment, and then probably like double underemployment rate. Can you just talk about the challenges that military spouses have? Yeah, yeah. I'm glad you, glad you bring that up because we're, we're focused on that now. And I mean, we've actually re kind of written our, our vision a little bit to, you know, say we help veterans, veteran spouses, um, family veterans to you know include all that because i mean when any veteran they have a support system right and so and the general public's like oh this guy's a veteran and they you know that support structure is blurred out behind them but that veteran's not going to wasn't able to serve their country the way they were without a supporting spouse you know and so um part of that hoh program we're doing you know has you know spouse support too so military spouses are can be a part of that and we're you know we're part of our interviews are just yeah military spouses hey what can you provide and here's our opportunities too but yeah they get they get left out from you know even from a marketing standpoint because it's like hey you don't hear it's starting to change a little bit but you don't hear like oh i'm a veteran friendly it's not like oh i'm a military or veteran spouse friendly company or hey we help you know, military spouses, um, you're starting to hear that more, but they're, you know, the backbone, a lot of times the linchpin of that veteran and, and what he's been able to do and, and service this country. And so he's get he, she's getting out of the military and is trying to get a new job. Well, that spouse is also getting out of the military and they, they need just as much help. So, you know, there's a lot of the same programs we're piggybacking on, um, you know, with Vector, that's, that's, those military spouses have just as much opportunity as any veteran um, out there for sure. But yeah, it's a, it's a great point because, and I think people are starting to understand it a little bit more. I've, I've seen like just a cultural change a little bit in the general public, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's a, uh, it should be more of a focal point. Yeah. It would always keep me like being in the military. Like you see a military spouse apply for a job. She's qualified and they come to say, well, I can't hire you because I'm going to leave in two years. Yeah, so right. Like, so you're telling me you were there hire someone with less talent who's going to stay for five years right. and then hire a high quality person for two years? Yeah, right. and uh, you never know, you know, like it, it, you can't predict. So it's it, it's hard, and it's again, it's that communication. It's like educating the right people on you know what the capabilities are and what what these experiences, what those experiences mean, right? Because you know you put anybody in position that's like, all right, this guy's been to combat and he's he's made decisions under this type of environment and then he could easily make decisions in this environment yeah. it's, it's kind of like relaying that information you know and helping them understand and that's that communication that lady yeah like how many times military spouses have to kind of move their house by themselves right because that's right because the spouse is deployed the or, or like all that, at a school you know, or whatever yeah. you know yeah all that 
everything. The, the, they're called household six for a reason, right? That's right. <laughs> That's right. And yeah, I mean, and they're qualified. And, you know, they've, they've a lot of times, you know, made the ultimate service where they're, you know, giving up some of what they wanted to do mm-hmm. just to, to support that. Yeah, I kind of know some of your spouse, like their husband or spouse did 20 years. And so they're like, you no, know, in the 40s, never had a real job. They're yeah. trying to get in the market. And like all these, you know, recruiters, what have you done last 20 years? You know, yeah. they, they want to hear like you was an FRG volunteer yeah, or, that's right. or, you know, or whatever right. the case may be, right? Or, yeah. or you planned all these events or you coordinated all these, yeah, you know, yeah. situations, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. And it's, it's true. It's, it's, it's putting that, you know, those tangibles out there and showing, yeah, what these capabilities are, really are, you know. So, Josh, is there anything I should ask you that I haven't, or anything else you want to talk about? Um, no, I mean, I, I really appreciate the time. You know, I, I, I think it's, uh, it's, it's just exciting to see the opportunities out there. And, and um, you know, I, I, I think the general public, we kind of see like Memorial Day, mm-hmm. we have Veterans Day, you know, even Fourth of July, we're like, oh yeah, you know, thanks for all these vets. But you know, there's 360 days throughout the year where these vets are, you know, still need, need help, that support, need, assistance, need that yeah. assistance, need that support, and and uh, you know, I, I know at, at Vector and being able to do provide those opportunities, be able to talk to people like you, you know, about that stuff. Um, you know, excited about those opportunities going forward. So, Josh, can you share your social media for yourself, your company, also for the for if you have something separate for the A Force liaison and any like veterans programs, you know. Yeah, so uh, hiring our heroes, um, that's one of the programs um, that that we work with uh, with the military, where it provides transitioning military members opportunities. Warrior Team Bravos, um, one of the uh, veteran groups within um, Vector and, and a bunch of our. Uh, strategic partnerships that's that's a group of uh, veterans and friends of veterans spouses of veterans uh, that are employees within this group but also we bring in um, uh, people to talk to them and and uh, so I could I could get that information out um, vectorfd.com that's you'll you'll see all the jobs we got out there all, what we're doing um, all our social media is, is attached through that. So, uh, you can see that, but so it's, yeah, vectorfd.com. You go there, you'll get all that information. And to list of where the links, all, all those uh, social media on our show notes and the show notes at www.cabinetstatesoblock.com. Be sure to share this episode with your friends and network and subscribe, rate, and view the Jason Cabinet's experience at your favorite platform. So, so w- one last question. You live in Woodenville, right? Yep. Um, I don't know how many people know this, but Woodenville actually has a pretty good wine. Great wine. Great wine. Yeah. Can you talk about the wine and all that kind of stuff there yeah. real fast? Yeah. So it's, uh, and we're, this, this September, I think we're going to have actually one of our executive conferences out here for Vector. First time in Woodenville, just because, um, yeah, they got, I, I don't know how many, uh, like wineries out there, but, um, I mean, you could walk everywhere. They got uh, great restaurants and, and uh, Cento, uh, Chateau St. Michel's out there doing concerts and everything. So great, great part of uh, Washington. That's, yeah, I don't think most people know about that. Yeah, that, that is untouched a little bit. So, but great place to go. Great and to, and to do you visit. ever go to the, the, the I think called the Woodenville Whiskey 
yeah, thing. yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, there's a few distilleries out there. Okay. Um, so yeah, great check place. Those and out. you can walk everywhere, which is great. So yeah, good time. Nice. Hey, Josh, thanks for your time today. Really appreciate it. Thank you. Oh, actually, I forgot to ask you one more question. The last question I always ask is, I know you already gave a lot of great advice, but can you give any like last minute advice or wisdom or anything you want to talk about? Um, I would say, you know, if, if you're a veteran out there that's, um, you know, needs help, reach out. Um, and, and if you're someone that knows a veteran out there that needs out, don't wait, reach out. Um, you know, I, 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 uh, I know a lot of people sometimes have hard times and, and just, just make sure you, you're reaching out to the right people. Um, don't wait. So Josh, follow question with that. Like so many people in general, you help some of your veterans you help and you know, you know, they all say, you know, I'll ask for help, but you know, ego gets in the way, pride gets in the way, right? How do we like, you know, Hey, you know, put, put your ego aside, take a pride aside. Like if you need help, no one's going to really know unless you ask for help. Right? right. How do you like, how do we do that? Or is there a way to even do that? Yeah. And I, I think it's a, a mental health um, idea as, as a whole. Right. I mean, you know, from when I first started in the military to now, I mean, you probably experienced it whereas, you know, just toughen up. Yeah. There, there was no mental health. You, you, it was like, you're, you're, you're tough or you're not. Yeah. You, you're depressed. Here's extra duty. You're really That's be depressed right. now. That's right. And now it's, you know, I've, I've had, you know, talked to commanders and high level leaders where they're like, Hey, I'm going to go talk to my, um, site therapist or whatever it may be. And that's a huge deal. It's like there's, there's health and mental health is a part of that. Like yeah. you, you break an ankle, you're, you're out, you know, you, you, you need help. You know, you're a little bit depressed. You could be out. So mm -hmm. it's like, talk to someone. You're, you're going to go to a doctor if you're not feeling good. Um, you know, make sure you talk to someone and, you know, everybody, Everybody has their ups and downs, you know, and it's it's, yeah. it's that, understand that, that everybody goes through it, right? Yeah, it's and not so, unicorn and rainbows every that's day, right? right? That's right. So it's it's uh, you know, just have the courage to to talk to people. Josh, thanks for your time today. I really yeah, appreciate it. Absolutely, thank you. And to our listeners, thanks for your time as well. Remember to be great every day. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Jason Kavnis Experience. Be sure to connect with us across social media at Kavnis HR. Thank you, and remember to be great every day. Don't you know,